Speaks Radio. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, and my mom also had dementia for 30 years, so I get this journey, and we are here to help. Uh, one of the things that I found most frustrating was that, you know, where are the resources? Where are other people on this journey? And so Alzheimer's Speaks talks to people around the world at all levels. That includes those diagnosed to family members, to researchers, to companies providing services, products, and tools. We are help here to help bring you comfort and kind of get you out of that turmoil when, when you're feeling like crisis is surrounding you and, and burying you. You may want to subscribe so that you can learn and share new techniques, tips, and tools to help you and your family live graciously alongside dementia. If you're a business and you want to expand your brand footprint, reach out to me. I'd love to talk to you. We, we can uh, assist you in that process. And of course, for our listeners, again, I thank you for your loyalty and taking time to follow us and share. I, I love hearing from you and I'm here to support you any way that I can. We really want to build a sense of community, collaboration, and comfort here at Alzheimer's Speaks because we think that's the only way we're going to win that battle. Now today on the show, we are going to be talking about long-term care policies and one man's plight in terms of getting the money he deserved out of his policy. Well, now it's time to introduce our guest today, the one man who has been fighting to get his long-term care uh, policyholder to pay out, and his name is John Sweeney, and he is 90 years old, and he has been retired for several years, and from 1963 until 81, he was engaged in financial services, and then in the early 60s, He managed the Los Angeles office for ITT Industrial Credit, which was a commercial finance firm and a money lender. And then in 1970, he transferred to St. Paul, Minnesota, which was the home office as vice president and division manager for the firm. Uh, Later in 81, he purchased a John Deere equipment dealership which he then sold uh, to long-term employees in 2008. John has been married to his wife, Virginia, for nearly 70 years. And I have the great honor of of meeting both of them through uh, J. Arthur's Memory Cafe. And John is just an extraordinary care partner for his wife. And Virginia is just so lovely and her smile and giggle so bright. You can tell how strong their marriage marriage is over that 70 years. They have five children, eight grandchildren, and eight 
great-grandchildren, and Virginia is now living with dementia, and John has been this amazing, like I said, care partner and role model to all of us in how he has chosen to care for his bride. So, John, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate you taking the time to be with us. My pleasure. John, I always like to ask every one of my guests for a little bit of background when it comes to caring for their loved one. If you can tell people maybe a little bit more about about Virginia and you know when she got diagnosed and maybe some of the symptoms that that you saw or that she noticed, you know, whoever, whoever was kind of that leading force in getting the diagnosis, uh, that tends to really help our listeners out. Well, the first, of course, I was too close to her, probably wasn't aware of what was going on, but we had a, an 80th birthday party for me in October of 2010, and the children, our adult children, noticed things. And in in 2011, we had a neurologist did a diagnosis, and they actually did a brain scan where they were able to see uh, whatever it was that they thought was uh, contributing uh, to the uh, disease. And they then diagnosed it as Alzheimer's in May of 2011. Okay. Can, do you remember what some of the, the symptoms that, that the kids saw that you, that you didn't um, kind of pick up on? Well, getting a little confused in sentences and, uh, and not, uh, not remembering any, and didn't remember some of the grandchildren who were there, you know, that uh, she said to me, uh, uh, that young gal over there is going to show me where the bathroom is. That young gal was her adult grandchild. Okay. Yep. Those little subtle things. And I think that's um, something that people really need to, to realize. And like you said, sometimes we're just too close to see it because it happens typically slowly for most and you just kind of get used to it and kind of kind of move forward. Now, today we're going to be talking about uh, long-term care policies and you had a difficult time kind of getting your um, company to pay out that you that you purchased through. Can you tell our audience when you, um, maybe first when you purchased and then when you filed a claim? Well, the policy was purchased in December of 1996 and actually purchased in Arizona while we were spending winters there. <clears throat> and uh, then it, when Virginia was diagnosed, I did what I should have done when I bought the policy. I blew the dust off and read it. And I didn't really like what I read because so many of those policies written years ago uh, didn't even recognize that there was such thing as memory care. And what I discovered is that the benefits required confinement in a licensed nursing home. And I wanted Virginia cared for in a memory care unit where staff, staff was trained in dementia treatment. And so that's what started the quest. And that would have been in 2011. Okay. And so just, you know, basically in that short time, really, um, because people typically buy insurance ahead of time, it just kind of proves that point that terminology changes and that can be, that can be just a huge battle before you in terms of uh, getting coverage. And it sounds like that's exactly what, what happened in your case. 
what was the issue with respect to the delay of benefits and and how did you even find out there was a problem because sometimes i know people say they're just kind of waiting on a check waiting on a check and no one's really communicating with them and you know they keep calling in so what was your process with all of this but see we didn't file for benefits until 2019 so in 2011 i started talking to the insurance carrier and i was just not getting any response they were uh, they were stonewalling it uh, and we have to understand that these insurance and long-term care insurance carriers do not want to pay out if they can help it because their their losses are substantial and so i started making noise i wrote to every public official that i could think of I wrote to every media uh, trying to get someone interested in pursuing it. And in 2014, uh, apparently because of all the noise I made, the Commerce Commissioner's Office in the state of Minnesota invited me to testify in a hearing on long-term care uh, down in St. Paul on a Commerce Commission hearing. And one of the interesting things about that hearing, that this problem is so uh, prevalent, that there were commissioners from 11 other states invited and in present at that hearing. Wow, that, that is a large statement right then and there. Was that an intimidating process for you to, to go before them? I'm sure, you know, one side you were excited to be called and think, oh my gosh, someone's listening. Um, but how was that process for you? Actually, it was, I, I, I wanted it. I looked forward to it. And my testimony uh, at that was very simple. And it's this, that for financial reasons, I may have to commit my loved one to a nursing home, in which case the carrier would have to pay and couldn't deny the benefits. Therefore, why wouldn't they be willing to pay for the best care, which I concluded was a um, memory care facility. And as far as did they ask you for kind of a, a cost difference from your investigative standpoint, from you know nursing home to to memory care? No, I don't remember that question. Okay. But one of the things that came out of that hearing was an attorney that specialized in elder law had done some work for us a year or two before. Her colleague was there at the meeting and approached me and said. By the way, I have a lawsuit going against that carrier. Uh, if you would like, to, if you just pay me for my time that it takes in correspondence, I'll take your case on. Well, the upshot of it was, I think I paid her less than $500 and she negotiated a letter of agreement with the president of the long-term care division of this major carrier, approving Cherrywood Point specifically as uh, meeting the alternative care provision, which would have given full nursing home benefits. So, you know, one of the questions I think, uh, well, I know I have, and, and I'm sure our listeners have, is when it comes to the verbiage, was there anything in the contract for alternative care, or was that the premise of the lawsuit saying, you know, terminology has changed? and you know what's available just isn't a nursing home or was that actually in your in your contract yeah. alternative care was a provision in the policy not well defined but it it was mentioned or it was listed 
Okay, because it, you know, things get so complicated with all of this, and especially if you're having a difficult time, you know, getting a hold of somebody that you feel is listening at the other end. Was most of your correspondence um, through phone, or was it was it through the mail and and actual letters? Uh, both. <clears throat> then uh, it, one of the provisions in that uh, letter of agreement was that the agreement, if it wasn't accepted, would expire within a year. When I finally filed a claim and then held up that agreement, they said, oh, that that had expired. And I said, no, the agreement hadn't expired. What it was had expired was the time to accept the agreement. So, but that was that was one of the defenses that they used. Okay. So, oh gosh, it, it just, you know, it's so silly. I mean, if it's, if it's, if, if it's acceptable, it's acceptable. And if you don't have to use it, they should be thrilled to death that you didn't use it sooner. You know, I, yeah. I that's how I look at it. I mean, it's just, but everyone tries to control things on a bilateral, you know, format there. And uh, it gets, it gets complicated quickly. Um, as far as the, the lawsuit went with the attorney, do you have any idea of how many claims uh, she was she was pushing forward at all? Or well, the the attorney that uh, that uh, negotiated the letter for me, as far as I know, only had one client, mm -hmm. but it was with the specific same carrier. Uh, one of the things, Laurie, and I don't know if it had a lot of bearing on it, but the policy was purchased with a company that subsequently sold to the major carrier. So the, you know, their policies are entirely different. Yep. But typically with, with contracts like that, I mean, even, I mean, when I was in real estate, you can't change the terms when you're buying them out. Exactly. Or is sold, you can't change the terms. You are purchasing what it is. And, um, but again, if the terminology is kind of old school and um and the market has changed you know there has to be some way to to solve that problem because again there are so many different options now one thing i'm just thinking about let's say um all of a sudden something didn't work out with let's say cherrywood which is where you have virginia and you had to transfer her to another memory care, would that be a whole nother battle then because it was specific to one site? No, we had asked for a provision. I had asked my attorney to negotiate a provision and she did saying that approval could not be unreasonably withheld. And we thought that might help some in, in the event we went to a different, a similar care, um, a similar, uh, long-term care provider or memory care provider. Okay, because sometimes that happens where, where people end up moving around because as the disease progresses, their needs may change and stuff. And so, I mean, I think these are all really, really good points. Do you think you could have maneuvered through this without, without having an attorney at your side? Oh, no way. <laughs> uh, they, uh, because you know, in two days after I filed the claim, the insurance carrier sent a, it was actually a contract nursing firm that came and evaluated. And they knew 
day one that that was not a nursing home. But four months went by before they denied the the claim with numerous requests for more information, which in my opinion was merely just a stalling, hoping probably we would give up or die first. Well, and I hate to say it, but that just seems like a a typical medical insurance policy um, strategy. I hear that all the time from people. I mean, and you get you get this. This is not a bill. This is not a bill. And you're like, I'd like to know (laughs) what is owed and what is paid and and things. And they're very complicated. And and, um, it just seems to be. The process, which is horrible because it adds so much stress to an already stressful, you know, situation. How taxing did you find this when you're thinking, here I've been paying in all these years thinking I'm covered. And then all of a sudden, now you now you got to climb this mountain and, you know, figure out how to get, get down the other side. How much stress did that add for you? I would imagine. Well, it was very stressful because quite honestly, I, I didn't have a lot of confidence. Once they denied the former president's letter of approval, I felt that that it, it was a losing cause, but we kept firing shots across the bow thinking maybe we would hit something. A couple of interesting things happened along the way between the time that I first talked to them uh, upon diagnosis and we filed a claim. There was a lawsuit this carrier lost where the courts held in favor of the plaintiff that because the facility had 24-hour on-call nursing, they met the standard and the plaintiff prevailed in that case. Secondly, uh, the uh, uh, insurance in Arizona Arizona has a very explicit statute that was adopted in 1990, six years before I bought the policy. And the terms say this, no long-term care insurance policy or certificate if issued after July 1st, 1990, may provide coverage for skilled nursing care only, and then a bunch of other language. So the statute is very clear, which our attorney cited to them, and they still stonewalled it. Jeez. Um, so after you met, you know, with the, the Commerce Department, did you see any changes here in Minnesota where you're located now or hear of any kind of rumblings of changes through those other 11, I think, states you mentioned that attended? Not that I'm aware of. That very well could be because I think a lot of states are uh, are very interested in getting these things resolved. Because if if we run out of money, we would be uh, making a claim on the state. So I'm sure they would prefer the insurance company paid. Oh, exactly. But an interesting, after months of of silence and 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 denial, all of a sudden. I got a phone call from the carrier saying they had approved it. Now, what happened in between that our attorney, my oldest son, and myself had all sent detailed complaints to the Arizona Department of Insurance. And I, because there was such a, a 
complete turnaround so quickly, my guess is that I have no proof of it. My guess is that they um, sent a fairly stern reminder to the insurance carrier. Yeah, of what the statute really is. And you can't just stonewall it. Well, that's a, that's a good thing for somebody who is, um, is battling uh, a similar situation. Go ahead, John. Uh, and and uh, what was so interesting is that how super cooperative they were, even to the point they faxed me the agreement. They called and faxed the agreement, which would probably indicate there may have been some reporting requirements. Yep, yep. Yeah, because usually they'll throw that in the mail and it'll get lost and they'll throw it in again. <laughs> and, you know, the whole snail mail thing. So that's a... That's a big, big, big step there. Um, John, one, you, oh, go ahead. Well, let me, let me say one other thing which may be of interest to the listeners. In the original letter of agreement in 2014, we had agreed as a compromise settlement to continue to pay premiums, and normally there's premium cessation. When we got the, the final agreement, Premiums are, are are waived. Oh yeah, then they got their hands slapped pretty hard. Then <laughs> I'm imagining on that one. So well, that's good. That that was a nice nice little. Surprise. And I just got a, I just got a check. I had to send a cut. In fact, they continued to take premiums out of our bank account for two months after I'd signed the agreement, and I uh, sent a rather stern reminder. I did this week get a check for the the past uh, premium payments. Oh, good, good. But boy, you just, you have to write them um, to, to get the right things done. Now, if somebody, and you know, I know you're not an insurance agent or anything, but just person to person, if, if you had a friend who was looking at purchasing a policy, what advice would you give them to really, you know, just not just discuss with their agent, but but make sure it's addressed in the contract. Well, I would I would of course invite invite them to read it before they signed it, but also make sure that it's up to date with the type of care that's available. Because you know, thirty some years ago, I don't think there was a very common practice anyhow of of uh, memory care. Never heard the term. And so I would make sure that the policy covered that because when I bought the policy, I didn't think about Alzheimer's. I thought about heart attacks, strokes, and other things. Sure. But today we know that Alzheimer's or any form of dementia is a very likely thing to happen in a family. Exactly. And so, um, uh, you know, with a lot of contracts I know that I've signed over the years, you know, they'll say, well, this is, this is the way they're written and we can't, we can't make adjustments to that, but fighting that point up front um, would probably By be, all means. would be worthwhile. And, and I would imagine, you know, one of the best ways to, to find out, cause you know, when you, when you don't need this stuff, you don't even really know what's out there. Um, so that's right. So go go visit. Um, go ahead and visit a nursing home. Go ahead and visit um, a, a memory care um, community and ask the social worker in terms of what is available. We're looking at purchasing this in 
they would be more than glad to talk with you and you know give you some current terms i think i, I don't see that being an issue for most people because they would love to help you down the road and they know if you've got that extra income coming in it makes it easier for everybody in that process um but yeah i think that that's a really really good 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 point would you would you recommend that in purchasing that that uh, they use an attorney to review that document do you think that would be helpful or not Oh, I think it would, uh, uh, you know, and probably cost you less than $200 uh, mm -hmm. to have an attorney review it. And, and then also I would see, have people, uh, you know, when, when they're thinking about buying insurance, be aware of the, the kind of fights that I had could exist because different levels of care do exist now and, and be aware or, just be sure that they are covered, that there's not an out in the policy because it, it's terrible to pay premiums for 25 years and then be denied. Yeah. Well, and even with home care too, um, you know, if, if any of that is covered, but I think if you're going to go to an attorney, um, a lot of times people go, well, I'll just go to my family attorney or I'll go to my friend's attorney, but I would highly recommend that you go to an elder law attorney who is used to dealing with all of the things um, that can come into play as we age. Money well spent. Yeah. And as, uh, as illness hits, it, to me, it's just a, it's night and day in terms of things because just, you know, with an attorney, a doctor, you know, really any profession, uh, one can only know so much when the arena is so big. And so to spend that extra money on, on going to a professional that's that's educated and, and up to date with not only what the laws are, um, but what's available in terms of care and lifestyle. And, and they can help look at your whole package too. And they, they may yeah. have some references of, of policyholders that they've used and they've had really good luck with and others maybe not so much um, that they would be you know, willing to kind of steer you in the right direction too. And as you pointed out earlier, uh, be sure that it's someone that specializes in elder care or elder law, because uh, it is it is a specialized um, practice. Yep, yep. And when doing that, as a matter of fact, um, our attorney that negotiated the agreement, when it came down and looked like we were going to have to sue, she recommended us to a. a, a competitor, uh, a colleague that specializes in litigation of this type of case. And she had our best interest in, in mind that she recommended someone that is very skilled in litigating this type of case rather than her doing it herself. And I respect her for that. Oh, definitely. Definitely. And we had a, we had a meeting set up four days, <laughs> four days uh, after I got the agreement signed, the meeting was scheduled with the specialist, a special litigant, and we never went. Wow. Well, you know, and it just it it shows the power of the letter of, you know, of the law. You know, when they know, okay, they're getting serious now. This isn't just talk. Now it could really cost us some additional money. 
and uh, and it, it probably gets raised a few levels there in terms of how they're going to look at that and, and gets to their pool of attorneys where before it's just you know sitting you know sitting in the circle of uh, of, of the everyday employee you know who's been taught to either accept or, or you know approve or deny the claim and um, gets it a little bit accelerated so another level gets gets put in pulled in which was lovely i remember when because uh, you were you know you kind of shared your story with us um over time regarding uh regarding this whole situation with the memory cafe cafe um members and everyone was really interested in this and ears perked and and we remember you coming in just so happy and so surprised that you know it was settled and you got the check in the mail and you know, it was a big, it was a huge, big deal. And, Relief. and rightfully so, and rightfully so. And to know that, to know that you won something that you shouldn't have even had to fight to begin with, um, I think can be draining and, and exhilarating at the same time when it's all over and goes in your favor with that. And I'm sure a number of people that face this kind of thing just give up. And, and my suggestion to anyone that, that uh, has this kind of fight, don't give up. Don't ever give up. Keep fighting. Keep firing anything you can think of if you're in the right. Because there are, there are precedent lawsuits out there now that didn't exist a while ago. Mm-hmm. So people are winning these fights now. Yep, yep. And that's, that's really... Wonderful. I, I'm so happy that you shared this story with us because, again, there's a lot of people out there, you know, groveling, should I or shouldn't I? And does this work or, or you know, will it, won't it? What does it really mean? Because, again, it's new territory. And I think your recommendation of pulling in an attorney, it's well worth it to make sure that what you're paying for is what you think you're paying for. Um, and then trying to address, you know, problems before, before they arise and, um, you know, maybe getting it elevated if you're not finding the right terms and just asking for that supervisor and just um, trying to get those clarifications so you don't have to fight when you really, really need it. Um, and if there was one person at the state, um, you had mentioned in Arizona that you... And I think you said your your son and your attorney all wrote letters to the State Department of Insurance. Was that was that who it was, John? Yes. And they have a website where you can file the claim. It's not difficult to do. I'm sure other states have the same thing. Okay. That's, uh, again, a really, you know, um, the state who's licensing them, uh, they, can, they can get their attention much faster. <laughs> and if there's penalties involved, or, but just even knowing they're being investigated, you know, is, is kind of a mark against them. And I'm sure that and they particularly don't. in this case where they clearly were in violation of the statute. Yep. Yep. And, you know, and as, as regular citizens, we don't always know those statutes and that's, and I think you had suggested to me oh, early on in this fight, one of the reasons that the states might get interested in it, is that if the insurance company pays, they won't have to. Exactly. And their budgets, you know, they're, they're looking at those things really closely. 
you know, how, how families are spending their money, um, you know, in terms of gifting away. And if there's a policy in place, they, they want it upheld because this is, this is big, big money. And, um, you know, they're trying to protect the state themselves in terms of, of where those funds go. So, yeah, uh, you never know when you're going to find a friend on your side sometimes in this process. But I, I, I think these are some really good pointers for people uh, to look at. And there's, you know, there's several different companies out there um, doing this. And I think you need to compare too. I know, you know, when I bought and uh, you can go through a broker who a lot of times will have multiple um, policy holders that they can, mm -hmm. that they can represent. And then you've got some that are just pushing their own thing. And of course, they're not going to typically say anything bad against their own company. So you have to look at some of the biases out there too in terms of, of what you're getting and what can you really believe. And, and your recommendation, as silly as it might sound, is like read the policy. I know there's a lot of people out there that don't read contracts. I don't care if it's buying. And, and I've been guilty of that. You know, buying uh, you know, insurance, buying a house, buying a car, buying all kinds of stuff. And, you know, in this day and age, you know, you need to know what you're signing. I mean, this is really, this is an investment for your future and um, protecting your assets and, and also hopefully protecting the emotional and physical well-being of your loved one to be able to give and, them the best care. And, and my experience doesn't make me anti-long-term care because I think uh, people have no idea what they may face in the future that could literally wipe out a life of time of savings with mm -hmm. something like dementia or a prolonged strike or a stroke or something like that. So I, uh, I would advocate purchasing long-term care insurance, but do it uh, a lot more intelligently than I did. Yeah. And typically too, with long-term care, the earlier you do it, the cheaper it is, the longer time. Exactly. Um, and, and I have heard if you purchase it under 50, that's really the best time uh, to be able to, to go ahead and, and get good rates. But also know when it comes to dementia, there's a lot of people getting diagnosed earlier and earlier with this mm -hmm. disease as well. And you know, you can't purchase it after the fact. Well, you probably could, but then you probably couldn't afford it either. <laughs> no, no way of affording it, right. Exactly. Well, anything else that you want to share with our audience, John? No, I, I think that fairly well covers it. And just I repeat again, don't give up. Don't ever give up. Keep fighting if you're in the right. And I think the fact that there was 11 other commissioners from 11 other states attended that hearing indicates that many states are working on things that will help uh, policyholders in the future. They wouldn't have come to the meeting if they didn't know there was a problem. Well, and it's nice just to hear that there's a collaboration of trying to figure out what's going on, too, that this is... It's a major problem. Yeah. The carriers are screaming they're losing billions because they, they didn't underwrite it properly. They were writing policies without any empirical data. And the, uh, and, and the policyholders are screaming, but my, my premiums have tripled or quadrupled. Yeah. 
Yeah, and some would say, well, then don't don't give your higher ups as big a bonus as, as they're getting either. <laughs> you know, yeah. so um, everything everything is relevant. But um, yeah, um, John, if there was anybody out there that, that listening that wanted to um, talk with you further, uh, you know, it could be a reporter, it could be a person who is struggling with their own situation. Would you be open to to corresponding with them? Oh, certainly. Uh, anything that I could do to help somebody avoid the kind of uh, anx- anxieties that I had over eight years. Okay. And what what contact information would you like to like to give out? Well, my my um, email address. It's jrsvhs seven zero at gmail. And so I'll give it to you phonetically. That's John Richard Sweeney, Virginia Hope Sweeney. 70 at gmail.com. Wonderful. So, John, I, then I'm going to have you verbally um, give your, your address, if you don't mind, your mailing address. Okay. It's 2680 Lexington Avenue North, apartment 325, Roseville, all one word, Minnesota, 55113. Okay. In case anybody's jotting it down, sometimes it's just nice to hear it one more time. 2680 Lexington Avenue North, apartment 325, Roseville, Minnesota, 55113. And, and you have my name. Yep. Yep, John Sweeney. Well, this is this has been so helpful, and I really appreciate your your time, um, you know, sharing your story because I think it'll help a lot of people in terms of long term care. And it's nice too that you said, you know, hey, I'm not against it. It just you need to know what you're getting into, which we should be concerned with any any type of contract that we're that we are entering into. Yeah, and there may be something in 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 our strategy we just fired all kinds of shots and and uh, <laughs> we don't know which one uh, would work but we think we know which one did work again I, I just want to give you a pat on the back for just what a wonderful care partner you are and a beautiful example of a of a loving patient husband caring and just advocating for his 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 lovely wife it's really it, it's helped a lot of people in our group, and I'm sure many others that you've met along the way, um, just with your how gracious and loving you are. So, so thank you for being a role model for all of us. Oh, my pleasure, and thank you for the good, good words. Yeah, well, they come from the heart, John. You're you're amazing. You know that, and or you should. You really. It's been mentioned multiple times with with members of our group, and how much people have learned from you and your your willingness to share. I think what I'm going to do too is so that people get to know a little, see a little bit more of, um, of Virginia is I think I'm going to add the clip to the memory cafe so people can, can see how, how vital and, and beautiful Virginia is and um, see you two as a couple and your daughter is in, is in that clip as well. Uh, yeah, with, right. Yeah. So I think that. And be- that's, that's the love of my life for seven decades. Yep. 70 years. That's, a, that's incredible. 
Incredible. It says a lot about both of you. So again, thank you so much, John. And um, we'll see you at the Memory Cafe very soon. All right. Okay. My thank pleasure. You. Bye. Bye-bye. So in wrapping up, I just want to, again, uh, thank all of our listeners. I, I just so appreciate your subscriptions, your shares, your likes in terms of spreading the information that we um, disseminate here on Alzheimer Speaks Radio. And please check out our main site, Alzheimer Speaks, where you can find out more about different projects and initiatives and kind of tap into everything we do from the Dementia Chats, which are videos of a panel of people with dementia. And we discuss all kinds of topics from symptoms to pain um, to how they feel they're accepted or treated in their communities, um, their frustrations, their likes, uh, how they want the world to look at dementia and deal with dementia, not only for themselves, but for their families. And those are, those are all free. Uh, you will also find information, again, on memory cafes and um, speaking and training, if you are in, in that realm, from keynotes with conferences to one-on-one uh, consultation with, with family members, uh, all kinds of stuff out there. And then, again, it is the holiday season, and if you're looking for a great gift idea, Um, please check out the book, Parental Dementia, A Guide Through All the Difficult Questions. It's by Keith Gallus, who spent over 20 years helping families work through all the questions that keep popping up throughout this journey. And the book has some great worksheets in the back that can help you organize your thoughts and your needs. And you can go to parentaldementia.com to purchase the book. And there's a code you can enter, just enter Lori, L-O-R-I, and you'll save $5.99. Hi, I'm Lori LeBay, and I wanted to tell you about Alzheimer Speaks, which is another great podcast. You see, my own mother lived with dementia for 30 years, and I felt lost. Did you know every three seconds, someone in the world is being diagnosed with dementia? Odds are it's going to hit your families too. We want to help you connect to services, products, tools, research, and stories so you can be prepared. Please subscribe to Alzheimer's Speaks on your favorite podcast platform.